Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with me as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. It's an obvious fact to anybody who picks up a Bible and reads the opening chapters of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Jesus was a bearer of good news. He came into Galilee, we read in Mark 1:14 and 15, and began to preach what is called the Gospel or Good News about the kingdom of God. And in view of that message, Jesus then urged his audiences to repent and believe in that good news. It's hard to get people to believe in something they're not used to hearing about. And I wonder sometimes whether Christians are really studying their Bibles. Are they in fact like the Bereans in Acts 17 verse 11, who investigated the Scriptures on a daily basis in order to see whether what they were hearing from the Apostle Paul was in fact the truth, and the result of that patient examination of the Scriptures, that daily probing of the Bible, the result of all that was that they became true believers. I've been suggesting in this series of programs on the Kingdom of God that in order to get the big picture in the Bible, one must understand the drama that is unfolding in its pages. When you do a jigsaw puzzle, it's only reasonable that you're given the help of the finished picture. You know what it is you're aiming at. It's exactly the same situation with the Bible. Many people know bits and pieces of the Bible. They know isolated stories. But how many are able to put the story together in a coherent way? You see, the Bible is a unique book. It is inspired by God himself. It was written by many different writers over a period of some 1,500 years. But it was written by Jews under the inspiration of God. Prophets of Israel claimed to get their message from God himself, and there's no doubt that they were speaking the truth. No one, no human being, that is, could have constructed a story as logical and as coherent as the story presented by the Bible. And that story has its basis in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and particularly in the life of Abraham, who is described as the father of the faithful in Romans 4, verse 11. He's the one in whose steps we should be walking as Christians, Paul also said in Romans 4. Abraham, in other words, provides a model of faith, a pattern of faith. The gospel, the Christian gospel, that is, was preached beforehand to Abraham, so said Paul in Galatians 3, verse 8. I have to tell you that all the principal elements of the Christian faith, as Jesus taught it, and as the apostles after him taught it, all those elements are found in the story of God's dealings, God's contract, his covenant made with Abraham, the father of the faithful. If you belong to Christ, Paul said in Galatians 3.29, then you are reckoned by God as descendants of Abraham, and you therefore become the true people of God, and you are candidates then for all the blessings which have been granted to Abraham. And many of those blessings are still lying in the future. The inheritance promised to Abraham is the inheritance promised to Christians. And so the Bible really is a story about Abraham, Jesus, and you. Now, I began that story in our last program, but let me first review very quickly what we covered in that last session. We started in Genesis 12, and I read the passage where the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country, from your relatives and your father's house, to the land which I am going to show you, 
and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Now this presents Abraham with an extraordinary challenge. He's first asked to give up all the things which are nearest and dearest to his heart. His country, first of all, his native land. Secondly, his relatives. And thirdly, his circle of friends. There's an exact parallel here between what Abraham was asked to do for God and what Christians are also asked to sacrifice. Do you remember that Jesus said that he did not come to bring peace but a sword? He saw that those who received his message would find themselves alienated from society. I think you'll remember that Jesus himself was excommunicated from the synagogue because of his claim to be the Messiah. The Apostle James in James 4 verse 4 says, Don't love the world, because if you love the world, you'll become an enemy of God. And so both Abraham and you as a Christian must make a choice. It's a choice between allegiance to the world, to the country in which you're born, and allegiance to God and the kingdom of God. To be born again in the Bible means getting a new identity, obtaining a new passport, assuming, in fact, another nationality. You become what the Bible calls a spiritual Jew. Someone who follows in the footsteps of Abraham is described in the New Testament as a spiritual son of Abraham. Salvation, Jesus said in John 4.22, is from the Jewish people. That's because God chose the Jewish people as instruments of his divine revelation, as instruments through which his great plan for the rescue of the world would be revealed. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, God invited Abraham to leave those things which were close to him and go to a land and to proceed in faith. Abraham had never seen the land to which he was called, but believing God and believing in God's great purpose, Abraham obediently followed the instructions given him by God and left his country for a new land, the land of Canaan. The result of this was enormous blessing and benefit. Abraham is guaranteed fame and blessing. Indeed, people of all nations and races will bless themselves in the same faith as Abraham. In Genesis 12, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And so Abraham was the recipient now of an extraordinary vision of the future. And God said to him, To your descendants I am going to give this land. You see now that Abraham was the recipient of the promise but also his seed, his descendants. I have to tell you that the whole story of God's dealings with Abraham revolves around two concepts, the seed and the soil, the promise of descendants, that's the seed of Abraham, and the promise of the land, that's the soil. The Bible, in fact, is really a development of this central theme of seed and soil, as we're going to see. In Genesis 13 and verse 12, we read that Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, the land to which God had invited him. And then in verse 14, the Lord again says to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes, Abraham, and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see. There it is again, the soil or the land. All the land which you see, I'm going to give it to you, 
and to your seed, your descendants, forever. I remind you at this point that the faith of Abraham is the basis of the Christian faith. According to Romans 4 and verse 16, those who are Christian believers, those who are going to receive the promise, are the ones who have the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Romans 4 verse 16. It's essential, therefore, for Christians to understand their Christian faith that they understand the promises made to Abraham. Well, here they are clearly given in Genesis 13, verses 14 and 15. The Lord spoke to Abraham, asked him to look to the four points of the compass, and told him that all the land that he was able to see would be his, and not only his, but also it would belong to his descendants forever. It was to be a gift of land, a grant of land in perpetuity. Now, it would be hard to overemphasize the basic and fundamental concept given here in Genesis 13 and verse 15. This is the foundation upon which the whole of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, is built, but it's also the bedrock foundation of that last quarter of our Bible, the New Testament. Christianity, in other words, is founded on the promises made to Abraham, the promise of the seed, the distinguished descendant of Abraham, and of the soil, the land of Canaan, as a gift of land in perpetuity. In Genesis chapter 15, the Lord once again appeared to Abraham. This time, the word of the Lord came to him in a vision. God promised him, in verse 1 of Genesis 15, that he would be a shield to Abraham, and Abraham's reward will be very great. Then the word of the Lord came in verse 4, saying, this man will not be your heir. We're speaking here of Eliezer of Damascus, who was a steward in the house of Abraham. This person was not to be his heir. And then God took Abraham outside in verse 5 and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And God said to him, So will your seed or your descendants be. God, in other words, promised Abraham, contrary to all expectation, and all natural possibility, an heir from his wife who was now well beyond the age of childbearing, and not only a son, but multiple descendants would spring from Sarah, Abraham's wife. In verse 6 of Genesis 15, we read that Abraham believed the Lord, and that belief was reckoned to him as righteousness. That verse is cited by Paul as a demonstration of what it means to be a Christian, a Christian throughout the New Testament is described as one who is a believer, and one who is a believer in the same sense and in the same promises as were made to Abraham. And so you see, believing in the Bible is having faith in what God says. It means giving credence to God's statements, trusting that when God speaks, he speaks the truth, even though circumstances may indicate otherwise. In verse 7 of Genesis 15, the great land promised to Abraham was repeated once again. God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees, that was the pagan country in Babylon, from which Abraham had departed at God's call. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to possess it. On that very same day, in verse 18 of chapter 15 of Genesis, God made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given 
this land from the river of Egypt, the Nile, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, I think it must be clear to every reader that the land is the center of what God promises, along, of course, with the other promise, namely the promise of a distinguished seed or descendant. And then in chapter 17 of Genesis, verses 7 and 8, we have a culminating passage here, a climax to these great promises made to Abraham. And in verse 7 we read that God was going to establish his covenant between himself and Abraham. I will establish my covenant between me and you, Abraham, and your seed after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your seed after you. And I will give to you and to your seed after you the land of your sojournings, the land where you are dwelling as a resident alien, so to speak, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. There we have the foundation of the biblical story, the biblical drama. God here made a solemn covenant, an oath-bound covenant with Abraham to guarantee to him in perpetuity the possession of the land of Canaan and also to be God to the family of Abraham, to the descendants of Abraham. They would have a land to live in, they would have a God to worship, and this would be forever. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to request from us a free tape of the program you've been listening to, our book on the kingdom of God, and join us again for our continued study of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.